Welcome everyone to this episode of the John Henry Weston Show, where I'm very pleased to bring you someone uh, who is, uh, well, very rare. There is a priest who has spoken out. His name is Father Francis Laudeman. Now he's spoken out the truth of the Catholic faith, but he's done so in a way that is really unafraid. And whereas many perhaps priests who have bishops who well, might be doing things that are at odds with the faith, are very reticent to speak out. Father Francis has spoken out, spoken out strongly in a homily with much charity and grace, but nevertheless spoken the truth. We're going to speak to him now, so you better stay tuned. Let's begin, as we always do, with the sign of the cross. Father Glaudeman, would you mind leading us in the sign of the cross, please? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you for being with us on this episode of the John Henry Weston Show. And Father, if I could uh, start off, you gave a homily that was stunning. We're going to play a few clips of it here during this show, just to show people what we're talking about. In fact, let's take a quick look now. One sad example in our diocese, our Bishop Alberto Rojas is one of the 14 bishops who made a big error, right? He was one of the 14 that signed a document saying LGBT is healthy, it's normal. That is an error. It goes against the Old Testament, against what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. It goes what St. Paul says in the New Testament. It's a sin, a mortal sin, a sin that leads to hell, to condemnation. Insofar as one loves the sin, that person hates the sinner. Now, you spoke openly in your homily, criticizing your own bishop even, and let me ask first, are, are you not afraid of reprisals for doing that? In the past, I would have. But more and more, I'm doing this out of love and perfect love cast out fear. And so there's more of a desire, more of a joy in proclaiming the truth. And so there's less and less fear. Hmm. Let's let's get into that a little bit. That's 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 very interesting. Now, here you are. I, I think a lot of people when they when they think about uh, love, uh, they think about oh, never never ever talking badly about a person or never um, never pointing out to them even when they do something wrong. Um, it's it's basically go along to get along and just sort of hide everything bad that ever happens. Um, yet you are expressing your motivation is one of being love. How does, how does that work? 
Well, our generation makes a virtue out of nice, but I go with Jesus. Jesus spoke the truth, even when it was hard, even when he knew he was going to suffer and be killed horrifically, he spoke the truth. And he's called us to speak the truth, to be like him, to be Christ-like. It's a command, it's not an option. And so I have a duty as a priest to be like Christ and to love as he loved. And that included speaking the truth. Mm -hmm. let's, let's have another look at uh, one of the other things you said. A prime example of that would be Pope Francis. A Jesuit education confused him and he spreads this confusion like a virus. That can lead to another sin called scandal. So as we've seen there, uh, you're speaking out then with regard to uh, the truth and uh, including about your bishop uh, extends even to the Pope. Is there, you know, uh, a sort of, uh, perhaps some people would think, I've been told many times that, uh, you know, when it comes to the errors of the Pope or when the Pope makes a mistake like that, we should just hush about it, not say a word um, and just sort of cover it over as best we can and try and move the discussion on so we're not looking there at all. Um, and yet you've chosen to to speak out. What's your motivation with that? Well, it's causing confusion among the people who need clarity and they're not getting it. And um, the truth includes chari uh, clarity, not confusion. Yes, he's stirring up the, the water. That's what he came to do. He came to shake things up. But it would help if he would listen to someone like Cardinal Ratzinger, who is clear, who does have the truth, and to allow himself to be shaken up. And then we're more likely to listen to him. Thank you, Father. One of the other things you addressed um, was with regard to communion. Let's have a listen to what you said there. Saying, if you're uncomfortable with communion in the hand, just sit where you're at. That's an error. The church's teaching is clear. No one can deprive you of receiving the Eucharist on the tongue. Nobody. No bishop, no priest. Priests who are more concerned with their physical health than the spiritual health of their sheep. Do they really care about your souls? The courage that the apostles had on this day 2,000 years ago, Pentecost. Does that sound like our American bishops? for the past few decades. Where are they? 
How come they're not speaking? The Protestants are. Protestant leaders are helping to save our country. Boy, do they make us look bad. We have the hierarchy. We have the structure. But not the shepherds to lead. So, Father, there is a lot of this going on today. A lot of people are deprived. In fact, I think much of the world might be deprived. All those who used to receive uh, communion, kneeling it on the tongue, many of those, uh, perhaps a majority of those are deprived Holy Communion in the way that they feel is proper. Um, And yet you've said that this can never be done. They can never be refused. Um, How does that work when there's so many faithful right now deprived of it? What should they do? What should priests do when their bishops are telling them, as as many have, even those celebrating the Latin Mass, uh, that they can't uh, give out Holy Communion on the tongue, must do so on the hand? Well, it is a teaching of the church. And last week we had a feast, a uh, optional memorial of St. Pope Gregory VII. And he started the Gregorian Reform a thousand years ago. It was a terrible time when there was lay investiture, there was concubinage, there was simony. And he told those priests, bishops, abbots, religious who were guilty of this to stop. And they resisted, they disobeyed. And so what did this Pope do? He went to the laity he saw the laity as having a voice and he appealed to the laity to stay away from disobedient shepherds, from shepherds who were not shepherding the sheep, reject what they do, what they say, do not go to their mass, do not receive their sacraments, do not listen to them to tell them why because they're disobedient, they're not shepherding. And for these lay people to go to those priests, those bishops who were obedient, support them, go to their mass, uh, support them monetarily. So this was a way of helping to reform uh, the clergy, the religious, when the Pope single-handedly was not able to do that. He appealed to the laity. He saw the laity as having a voice. So this is a saint. This is a pope who not only said this a thousand years ago, but his voice still goes on. And uh, it applies to our day and age. It applies a thousand years later. We should reject those who are disobedient shepherds, those who are those who close their doors to the sheep, those who refuse to give the sacraments to the dying, those who refuse to give the Eucharist to those who have the right to receive it on the tongue, those who will not hear confessions, don't go to them. Go to those priests, those bishops who Mm -hmm. are being obedient, who are following Jesus. 
Father Gladman, thank you for that. It's uh, very consoling words, I think, that we really need to hear. Um, one of the one of the other things you mentioned in your homily that was, it was a question that many, many faithful Catholics have, particularly Catholics um, who have an evangelical spirit, who want to spread the faith. Um, it was about uh, Protestant pastors, many of whom are in the news right now uh, because they are defying lockdowns. They're opening their churches anyway. They are ministering to their people, um, whereas there's so many, especially the bishops that we see publicly and, and sometimes priests, who are just locking their doors, uh, are just sort of going along with the government-ordered shutdowns, um, not ministering to their people. Um, that's That's been very difficult to deal with. What do you a make of it and what can we do about it and how should we react to it? Yes, it is sad that um, our Catholic hierarchy is not speaking out. Maybe one reason is that many have accepted money from the government, uh, which was dispersed to some parishes. And that happened in, in the diocese where I help out. Uh, and so when you, you get money from the government, you're less likely to go against the government. The government uh, has you more in, their, in the grip of their hand. They can more control you. But that doesn't seem to be a problem with these Protestant ministers who speak out, who are speaking the truth, who are um, being patriotic. And that is a virtue. Patriotism is a virtue to have this proper love for one's country. Uh, the extreme would be too much love for one's country, you know, putting country before God, like uh, communism, atheistic, atheistic communism. The other extreme would be to damage one's country, which is going on a lot, especially amongst the Democrats who are damaging our freedoms, our constitutions, uh, our rights. Uh, but these Protestant ministers seem courageous. They're speaking out. Um, it would be a beautiful thing if Catholics could connect with that. Catholic laity, uh, find out what these Protestants are doing, you know, regarding signatures and uh, filing lawsuits and present that to their pastor and ask if their parish could participate along with these the, their Protestant brothers and sisters. And this would promote ecumenism. This is um, one of the good things about Vatican II was to seek common ground uh, amongst Christians instead of just looking at the differences to see where we can pray together, where we can work together. And I experienced that in 1989 as a seminarian being involved with Operation Rescue, where we would pray outside abortion clinics, we'd get arrested, we'd be in jail. And that was ecumenism at its best. And there were some really beautiful things that happened. Um, I, I have a positive experience of ecumenism. There is definitely a spirit of conversion, a spirit of listening, seeking understanding. And 
because of it, there were some Protestants who became Catholic um, right here in Southern California. I was just going to say, it's, uh, it is truly beautiful. It's, it's no secret that the pro-life movement is probably the greatest ecumenical effort uh, that we've ever had. Um, the uh, March for Life in Washington, D.C., um, all of the, you know, it goes on, we stand shoulder to shoulder. And then most of the people, the leaders, uh, we head to a pub afterward, uh, it was, you know, very long day, very early mornings and so on. And in the pub, um, there's very often discussion at very many of the tables about uh, the faith um, and Protestants and Catholics, uh, you know, talking to one another about the faith and uh, really trying to share with one another the truth, because all these people are motivated by the truth and uh, their deepest conviction is to give people the fullness of truth. And, and so that goes on. It's a beautiful uh, ecumenical uh, effort uh, inside the pro-life movement. It's just been wonderful. I experienced Operation Rescue um, that I had more in common with conservative Protestants than I do with liberal Catholics. Father, I wanted to say thank you for uh, for speaking the truth, for speaking out. I'm in, in a way very grateful for um, the the lockdowns. In that, a lot of the homilies that normally would just go on and people would never know about them are seen, and and yours was uh, definitely one of them. Uh, thank you for your fidelity. I think the faithful need to hear it, and and very often don't. I mean, I'm very much into education, but for these people, what really um they loved about it it was so consoling and that's a gift of uh that's that's the holy spirit the holy spirit is the consoler and we're called to share in that consolation the truth sets you free but the truth is also consoling amen amen father any any parting words for a lot of the faithful who are watching this uh after being consoled, uh, probably going to be looking for your homilies online. Where can we find that as well? Um, the, the parish that I help out on on Sundays is San Secondo Dosti in Ontario. And um, from time to time, my homilies are recorded. And so it'd be... Um, I think that's on Facebook, uh, San Secundo, um, uh, 8 a.m., uh, 6, 6.30 Sunday Mass. Great. And lest our Canadian viewers think uh, something great, they'll be running out to the province of Ontario. You mean Ontario, California. Ontario, California. Right. Very yes. good. Thank you, you so very much, Father. Oh, go ahead. That's Sorry, it. yeah. That's it. Because um, you had asked me about motivation, mm -hmm. and I'm motivated also because of love of those that I uh, minister to. I minister at two parishes, one in the Orange Diocese, where they have perpetual adoration at St. Martin de Pores, and then I help out on uh, uh, several days a week at uh, San Secundo. And in both parishes, there um, are sheep that have felt abandoned by their shepherds. And they are like sheep without shepherds. 
but at San Secundo, they have an excellent uh, shepherd, Father C. And so they flock to that parish. And um, in my parish, um, we had a wonderful pastor, Father uh, Lewis Marks. And um, it, it was known for confessions. People from a 50 mile radius would come uh, daily, three times a day for confessions and all day on Sundays. And uh, so I do this out of compassion for these people who would otherwise have no other place to go. Uh, Jesus saw his sheep without uh, shepherds and he had compassion on them. And I, I share in that. And uh, I love the sheep, they love me. Hundreds of people are praying for me. And so uh, the preaching and the sacraments uh, is not just coming from me, it's coming from the Lord, it's coming from the prayers of many people who, who love me. Amen. And God willing, there'll be many more praying for you now and uh, thanking you for uh, what you, your great compassion for the people and your willingness to share the truth, despite, uh, you know, any kind of uh, consequences that might come your way. Um, if you wouldn't mind, Father, give us your blessing before, uh, before we part. That would be awesome. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Amen. you are our motivation. You are the reason why we say what we say, why we think what we think, why we do what we do. Help us to keep you front and center and may we become more and more like you, more and more lovers of the truth, more and more lovers of your heavenly father, more and more lovers of each other. We ask this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you so very much, Father Glaudemann. It's been great being with you. May God bless you. Thank you for your work and for LifeSight and for communicating the truth when there's so many uh, that are blocking the truth and hate the truth. Thank you for getting the truth to the people. Praise God. Thank you, Father. And God bless all of you. We'll see you next time. Hi, this is John Henry Weston, the co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSight News. I'm coming to you today because we want to be sure that we're communicating clearly with you, our loyal followers. Things are really heating up, as I'm sure you can see. Christians, conservative truth-tellers are being targeted, are being banned from social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at an alarmingly fast rate. They are attempting to suppress any narrative that does not fit that of the mainstream media. We knew this day would come. We have been warning everyone who would listen and attempting to build up alternative platforms to continue to reach you. We have established ourselves on all sorts of platforms I'm going to explain in a minute, but the most important thing to do is come direct to lifesitenews.com because there we will always be. But we've also established ourselves on platforms like Parler and MeWe and our videos can be found on Rumble as well. We would love to see each of you on those platforms too, as they are not censoring or suppressing the truth that we are sharing every single day. 
More than these alternative social media platforms, we highly encourage you to subscribe to our email newsletter. We have really built up a large list of loyal readers on our email marketing platform, and we have prepared several backup plans for, well, I want to say if, but it's really when, we are removed from our current platform as well. Additionally, I really encourage you, as I said before, to make it a regular habit to go directly to lifesitenews.com. Make it your homepage. While all of these different platforms are an excellent way to curate your news, going directly to our website means that you will never encounter any censorship or sudden loss of LifeSite News reporting. Here's the thing. We will never stop sharing the truth. We founded this organization with the mission to be the life, family, and culture source for men and women who seek to know the truth. We have established a track record of honest reports, and this will never stop, even with censorship happening around the globe. Again, I'm encouraging you to join us on Parlor, MeWe, Rumble, and on our email list. You can find all the direct links in the description of this video. May God bless you and keep you, and we are so thankful that you've chosen to follow and support LifeSite News. I'm John Henry Weston, co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSite News.